Hello, hello. Uh, uh, office hours, 52. Very exciting, uh, very exciting full year. I mean, we took a couple of weeks off, but that still feels like a milestone. It's a full year's worth of content, of conversations. I've enjoyed them immensely with you guys. Um, and uh, I've learned so much along the way. I really think it's been a pretty beautiful sort of feedback loop and process here. So uh, excited that it's not just Nihal and I today. We've got uh, Ethernet Strongborn um, moving smoothly as ever. And, uh, you know, great, great, to, great to have you both here and look forward to a big conversation today. So uh, maybe quick introduction, Tyler. What am I working on right now? What am I interested in? Uh, I'm moving, so I'm moving to a house, which that's very exciting. So that's taken up a little bit of time. I just had a wonderful two-hour journey on the phone, uh, and uh, you know, something I want excited to talk about today with you know with you two too is just like I mean, a lot of good things happening from a growth perspective, which we're then working on, and this idea of like yeah, deploying sort of. SEO optimizes landing pages is really exciting to me. We've seen some success with that in the past, and um, look forward to discussing that a little bit today too, and bringing Lauren into the fold. Uh, Lauren is turning into a full stack marketer uh, over the next few weeks. So uh, that's me. Uh, let one of you jump in. We'll do an intro, and then we'll jump into the conversations. Sure. I'm uh, Lauren, the accountant here, and uh, recently I've been getting more and more into uh, metrics of all sorts, whether or not it's uh, for business or for um well it might finance or marketing or uh the usage of our actual platform so it's been interesting to uh explore all the different uh all the different vantage points that we have uh, there's quite a lot of uh data flowing around there so it's uh it's been quite the challenge to try and organize it a bit better try and have like an understanding of what do all these numbers mean you were even in google you said you were in google analytics the other day mm, uh, yeah. yeah so that's uh, sort of i mean both daunting and once you sort of understand is really quite interesting and really you, most of the times you understand i'm only clicking to like three of these pages that are truly sort of valuable um so there's a lot of a lot of noise in there uh depending on what you're actually trying to do beautiful all right lauren done yeah i'm Nihal, uh digital strategist here at speak and I, I think every day that passes by looks like we all might need to have some some title changes soon <laughs> we all just become full stack startup yeah. uppers. Yeah, but it's kind of neat because like, I guess we've done what, like just, I think three in a row where it was just us two. Yep. So this is the first time we've, we've had a third party uh, in a while. Yeah, Everyone's miss, busy. <laughs> miss it. I know exactly. We sort of mm. joked that it was like, are we doing important enough things if we can be here? But it's important. This is important. The steady pace, the rhythm of us doing this, and to me, again, sort of a, a signal of dedication, of persistence, uh, and you know, passion and care about what we're doing. So um, this week was exciting. I think we were lagging behind and actually publishing these. We were publishing always to YouTube, but the extra step to uh, publish them to podcast platforms was annoying, frankly. And uh, so last week, found a way to do, um, I can share this, like a bulk CSV import into WordPress, which then builds out the RSS feed and then pushes the uh, podcast everywhere. So, um, you know, we went from 21 podcasts live to all 51. And hopefully uh, if I can push it through 52 um, uh, this week uh, on all on all podcast platforms, they even a little stats thing on it now too. So we'll see if anyone's listening to this. Uh, yeah, when yeah. you say all <laughs> podcast uh, platforms, which one's uh, specifically? Like I know like Spotify, but just curious where else you've been uh, throwing around. It's like there are now, so so there's a, a platform that we use, I think it's called Seriously Simple Podcasting, which is basically just a WordPress plugin that builds in a module uh, into your site for it. So then you, you create a post, 
sort of tag it as an episode, publish the audio file, and then it is pushing that RSS feed to, I think like, I think it's automatically pushing to like most podcast providers. Um, specifically right now, like what I've seen is Spotify, Google, Apple. I saw that we were on that Listen Notes platform we were talking about the other day, Nihal. And um, I'm guessing it's other places because I think what other, you know, podcast platforms do are sort of, I don't know if it's like they're scraping the website for RSS feeds, um, but they're basically, you know, they're continuing to try to rehost this, uh, this kind of content. So most like the main, everyone says, hey, you can find our podcast on all major providers. I would say we are fulfilling that and it's happening automatically because of this, this seriously simple podcast plugin, which is great, owned by Castos, which is sort of a powerhouse in, I would say, podcast hosting, creation, um, and does some really nice stuff there. So uh, tightly integrated with WordPress and we're leveraging the free thing, the free version and it's doing everything for us. So um, shout out to Castos for, for making a, a good, good little uh, offer in there. Thanks. What's the, uh, what's the upgrade for uh, that service? Like why would you actually go beyond the free version? It's a good question. Maybe multiple, maybe if you're doing multiple podcasts, um, there are like add-ins too, for just as an example, they have like a, a transcription piece so obviously you're paying per minute for the transcription so they're figuring out like different ways to monetize their own offering um we are avoiding that and would truthfully run the transcription ourselves but uh yeah. you know um it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a good platform so uh that's one part if you're interested check it out somewhere anywhere you find speak ai office hours and the, the podcasts are all nicely labeled and we have some you know, self-servingly some interestingly interesting conversations that I think are, you know, good if you're interested in using speak, good if you're interested in natural language processing and speech recognition, and just good if you're like into sort of technology and startups and building in public and growth and marketing and all the other things that we sort of talk about very transparently and openly as a team. Promotion done. <laughs> done. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we've got some nice... Um, a uh, couple of conversation points here. I would say, Lauren, you're a, a joiner uh, uh, today, and Neil and I have been talking lots lately. Actually, Neil, I think you beat me on talk time last week. Uh, no, no. Uh, First which is, time. <laughs> yeah, it also could be the speaker identification was wrong on uh, on speak, but anyways, I'll, I'll pretend that I that you actually did. Lauren, go ahead, pick a, a topic that's uh, you know uh, interesting to you, and we can uh, jump into it. Uh, sure, I can bring up my topic, not to. You know, uh, pat myself on the back too much, but just curious about, um, you know, looking back on the full year of all these podcasts and uh, just uh, thinking about um, if there's ever been like opportunities for us to um, change things up a bit if you want to. I'm not sure if this, uh, the format we do, where we kind of have our topics and we uh, chat back and forth here and there, if uh, you guys are happy with that or um, if there's other uh ways you want to run the podcast like um something i was just kind of thinking about would be interesting at least for like one week or so um would be to um maybe run like a mock uh y combinator uh interview uh, just to do a quick uh, not really even prepared for it either just kind of like run through the questions and see what kind of answers we come up with and then maybe sometime later in the future we run through it again and see like how does our uh, answers change over time uh, whether or not it's a matter of uh, we make developments or we have new insights or uh, pivoting that can always happen. Um, but yeah, just uh, other other ways that we can um, uh, be a bit creative with the, how the podcast is run. Um, or if you guys are happy with this, uh, this method, I'm happy with it too. But just, uh, just curious if you have any ideas of other podcasts 
methods, I suppose. So, so I think that's that's a great great point, and I think there's always like we're, we're pretty open. I feel like when it comes to trying new things or changing up how we're delivering this this messaging or this content, and that, that's a cool cool idea for us to possibly explore. Uh, one thing along these lines that I've been thinking about is, you know, how do we maybe start tying our podcast or podcast topics, right? Uh, so let's say it's not office hours, but maybe it's like a, maybe every other week or something where we actually discuss topics relevant to the pain points that we solve, right? Or I build a podcast uh, conversation around, let's say, um, language data, but more specific, instead of being super high level technology focused, it's more like around how different businesses or how different people are utilizing voice data in their stack and how people are using speak in their stack, right? To actually improve their workflows, processes. And it almost becomes like a case study for us uh, while promoting, you know, our product and its uses. Um, because I think these office hours are great for almost like a building, building in public, uh, you know, transparency behind the curtain look at how, like what we as people working on this think about it. But I think there is definitely opportunity for us to actually deliver value, considering that we're putting out these uh, hour long conversations. Like what if we, you know, had a conversation with, or we just approach people and it's like, hey, we'll help you build out a workflow that works for you, let's say, uh, using Speak, right? And we do that live, right? Like where it's like we actually walk them through the demo, kind of show them the different ways they can use the platform, and then we can use that, right? Like those moments of recognition, we can use that in in marketing content as well, which I think could could be like a pretty neat one. Uh, and then the other side of that, I think, is just maybe if we go more topic focused. So it's let's say our focus is on you know, like helping like a X group uh, do more with their language data or organize their language data more. And then we just pick topics and discuss different issues around that on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis, whatever it is. But yeah, I, like, I, yeah. uh, like each individual, not each individual podcast, but like every once in a while we'll have like a case study kind of thing or like looking at like one specific industry and break it down of um, how can we... Uh, care to these people um, maybe not so much like the people that we're already caring towards like we've got plenty of content already built up for that but maybe just kind of make uh keeping it as like an explorative uh like brainstorming session of like how could this be applied to this case here because like to, to your point right oh sorry no oh, just even like you know we reached out to marriott one of our fantastic uh, you know clients and partners i would say who's uh runs kinetech personalized nutrition firm and sort of um you know, gave her a list of questions that we're interested in asking her. And it's like, realistically, that could actually take place in an office hours. And then we also then use Speak to augment that process. We upload it into Speak, transcribe it. We use some of the codes as part of the case study. And it becomes this sort of really nice uh, piece. And we, we had some some version of that early. Um, Alfred from eHave came on and uh, Ben from Nonfiction came on. And those are fun conversations. I would say the more, you know, what I like about that idea or that strategy is like ideally saying Marriott then reshares that. So then people within her network um, 
uh, see it and are interested and explore that. So I also think between people who are actually using the system today, who are you know also wonderful people like that, like you know Marietta, just an awesome person. Um, are there other people that we could reach out? Maybe they're in the space. Like, for example, I would love to we reach out to someone from Hugging Face or Symbol and get them to come on a conversation and we ask them questions or talk about state of the industry. And because they've got their own built-in following, um, it sort of helps expand the network or audience that we have. And it connects with the people uh, that we are you know, interested in connecting with. So I like that. And one other quick thing, I think what I like your idea about the pitch part. I'm interested in, uh, you know, if like, each one of us was uh, responsible for making a pitch. Now we each got say like five to 10 minutes. You had to build your own slide deck uh, and then come all and right. pitch. And then, and then we all then sit and give feedback or, you know, and it sort of becomes like a, and I don't know if we do it all in say one episode or we like actually, I feel like it's unfair to do it over multiple weeks because you're going to learn along the way and then adjust, but it would be really cool Lauren, one time I remember we did the exercise, Carter made us do it, but it was like, write what speak does in one sentence on a piece of paper. And then we like dropped it in the hat and then we all like pulled it out to see how aligned it was. And it was good at the time. It was not as far off as what we thought, but I, I could see in a more extended version of that, like a five to 10 minute pitch, um, there could be some variation or differentiate, like difference based on who we are in the company, what we see, who we value, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there. Mm -hmm. And it provides like a lot of feedback into like each of uh, each of our own uh, unique perspectives of how we see the company, and then we can kind of amalgamate that, or uh, also just like bring it up. It's like, oh, why do you why do you have that perspective? Like, why are you seeing this differently from how I'm seeing it? And you can kind of, uh, and then like from there, it can show like to our customers like the way that we see our company versus like how they see our, our company, and uh, maybe. Um, maybe throwing like frequently asked questions into the mix there as well from like our customers and like problems that they're facing. It's like maybe like the, the problem that we're seeing is also, um, you know, there's some level of uh, miscommunication between how we present it versus how the customers see it. Just trying to think of anything to add. Nihal, any other thoughts just specifically on this, on this point? No, I, I think there's there's just different opportunities for us to explore here. Uh, it's it's interesting, right? Because I think the the problem that comes with maybe a bit more of a educational spin sometimes is the actual um, like work that would need to go into, let's say, doing the research for the articles you talk about, or you know, like I've been listening to quite a quite, quite a bit of. Uh, this week in startups, right? Uh, this week in startups, yeah. This week. Yep. Today, yeah. This week in startups, um, and it's, you know, what what they do is essentially they have like like they're a media company at this point, right? Like they're just breaking down the news from the startup community. So, is that something we have the? I would love to do that, but is that something that we have the capacity to maybe do on a weekly basis, right? Um, it, it could be, but then uh, we'd need to like plan for that and actually do it. So, I argue it's also like I mean not argue, but it's like a, it's a will thing. You know, like you can make time to do anything if you think it's worthwhile. It's just it's like the pay back, and can you even look at it that way worthwhile? Mm -hmm. Like I, I like I, you know, I, I first of all I love um, this week in startups, and I, I'm now 
I'm hooked on it. You know, I'm listening to it every day because it's news that is directly relevant to me. And also more, it's the commentary uh, around it because it helps you build your own opinion and uh, get context. And, and I like the way that they do it, but you can see how much work goes into an episode, each episode of that. And like literally their whole team's prime for that to do like That's their core mission. But like this week, you know, I shared a post on LinkedIn today. It's like Canva bought Flourish. Um, you were saying it was an interesting purchase. I, I maybe not as directly relevant, but SEM rushed bought Backlinko. Like those things, both from, I would say, our software sort of NLP, database, speech recognition space specifically. And then there's more macro trends of like marketing and growth marketing and digital marketing that we're also trying to do. Or even you posted today, Google, you know, Google Analytics is having a challenge in France. Um, and how does that impact us? How does that impact other startups? How does that impact any company that's software and trying to create value? Um, now with it, we need to refine and focus down those points of discussion to make it more relevant and, and deliver value. But overall, these are a lot of interesting topics that I believe are worthwhile to discuss and, you know, quite closely connected to what we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. To that point, like when I was doing some research into just like, you know, UX research, like Pendo, you know, Pendo, like they recently bought a, uh, they basically bought a conference company that ran events in the product research space, right? So I, I think this whole angle around these SaaS companies um, actually acquiring content arms, essentially, instead of building up their own content teams, they're going to like people with communities and more or less buying their communities, right? And the the, the team that knows how to execute uh, for those communities. So it's definitely an interesting trend on that front. Um, it's also just quickly like you're like, I think one of the I forget it was wave to vec or speech to vec that Facebook released say a month and a half ago. And it's like, if you're in NLP or if you're in speech recognition, you sort of have to understand what that means for the entire space and industry. Or can we leverage that tech in our own stack? Do we, does this make everything that we've done in the last 18 months irrelevant? Like those things are high level important things for us to know, understand it builds thought leadership, it builds expertise and knowledge. And I remember having a discussion with another sort of, um, you know, a growing company in the space, a really, uh, really good one. And I just asked their, their CEO, I was like, what does this mean? And they didn't know either, but they had literally booked out the entire weekend to understand the implications for the entire space. So like, if we are building along that, I think it does continue to sort of cement that expertise. And it also hits these, uh, you know, something that we've talked about a lot, these trends of what people are searching for or news and people looking for information and meaning. And if we can create valuable content and deploy on a timely manner, there's a lot of opportunity there. So um, definitely think that's worthwhile. I do think this idea of bringing guests in, it just takes some organization. I probably would annoy people in our speak thing. So maybe it's more of a targeted reach out, but maybe over the next few weeks we ask, 10 to 20 people, even some of our, our more ongoing customers, if they're willing to hop into uh, uh, office hours one time um, too and give, like, even if it's just like, even if I think it's like, hey, come on here and roast us, that's awesome too. You know, like, or like, obviously they're not gonna come roast us, but it, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And I think for us to just be able to listen openly uh, and maybe even get some feedback from people, I think that's, that's valuable. And last part, we need to get these clips going. Like we have all the videos um, and each one of them has many topics in each office as we do. 
And we need to, I, do, I believe, build this sort of clips library where it's just micro focused on a specific topic can help from an optimization of SEO, but also allows us to reshare much smaller segments of what we're talking about instead of people being intimidated or not making the time commitment of an hour, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. How can we start to build one minute, two minute clips um, that are that are important? Yeah, I think um, building the highlights function or like this kind of real function, like Google, you know, being able to just build a show reel for even just our own purposes, I think it would save a ton of time because I, I don't think anyone here really wants to sit there and like, no. you know, watch through a, an entire podcast, export into a third party app, trim it, save it, optimize it, compress it. <laughs> right. So, um, that's all. That's all we need you. Sorry, <laughs> Lauren, you're saying something. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was uh, curious about, um, you know, keeping up to date with natural language uh, processing. Like, what would you say is a good resource or a good, like, news site to um, just keep up to date on, like, the latest news for them? Because, um, yeah, this is a market that's moving incredibly fast. So it's kind of for sure. important yeah. to be on top of it. I think, I think there are two sides of it, which are like, there's more like sort of resource hubs and more media companies. So one that comes to mind is like voicebot.ai. Uh, they have a podcast. Um, conversational AI, I, there was uh, a guy named Kane. I'll have to see where he, what he's exactly, where exactly he's posting, but they're like, their main role right now is keeping track of what's happening. And a lot of them are doing say weekly summaries at the end of the week on what's happened in the space. And then I think you have to look at also leaders in the space and that would be like again hugging face would be an example of that facebook google because they're constantly doing crazy research and then publishing it um you know results and findings or changes that have been made like facebook's big thing that they sort of said is like you you basically you almost don't need training data which goes like doesn't go against but like that was what everyone was doing before take a bunch of data uh, you know, clean it to make it as accurate as possible and then build your models along that. And, you know, basically Facebook came along and said, hey, we don't even need a big training set of data. It's like self-supervised learning that's um, even on a small sample set continually getting better and more refined. So it's like, is that technology available to us? What does this mean? Like, these are questions that I personally have and still don't even have the answers to yet because that it's complex, it's abstract, it's, but these answers are very important. So um, I would, you know, I think it is valuable to sort of decode and work through that. I don't know, first of all, if, you know, I'm smart enough uh, to do that, or, uh, you know, I hope we all are, but um, there's some stuff that is a very high level things that are happening in this space right now that are tough to comprehend. And as you said, it's moving quickly. Mm -hmm. A lot of experimentation going on. A lot of people not really knowing if what they're doing is, going to wind up being valuable? Yeah, I mean, it's the same problem that we're seeing and solving for people who are actually using our app. So we have to be careful of, again, like time dedication, but like um, in a way, Speak is creating value by making a, a prop, like, like again, one of the searches that's leading to someone using Speak is like, <laughs> take audio and turn it to text. You know, like that's like, a cool, I mean, that sounds simple, but, that's actually a lot of complex technology that's allowing that to happen. And we've built educational resources, content, but then also a software platform that like makes that transformation and allows it to happen. And that's where value is created. So 
as we continue and uh, uh, to grow, if we can create and, and build value through our platform, both in terms of the function of it and capabilities, but also through education and guidance, there's a lot of lot of lot of opportunity there. For sure. Sorry, I saw. Yeah, I saw your uh, little. Um, good for. I mean, thing, thing, things are good. I, we're seeing. Uh, one second. Now I have lost it. Sure, Slack yeah. notification got me. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> no, but, but, but to that point, like uh, I, I think it's been interesting this week specifically. Um, I mean, it, we kind of saw it starting like I think two weeks ago or like a week and a half, like two weeks I think at this point, where you know we've almost we've made that leap to I think in 2021 we were kind of averaging in the end of 2021 you know maybe on a really good day we were hitting you know 12 13 signups a day um but then our average is maybe closer to like eight right like eight signups a day but since the start of like end of towards the end of january we've actually started seeing quite a bit more traction where now we're averaging almost like I'd say our average is in that like almost 20 a day range, right? 20 signups a day. And we've also hit a new, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's a new record, but I feel like we've had a steady flow of like actual app signups and subscriptions and people that are finding value by actually signing up for the platform now, right? Which is, which is a really nice, uh, nice switch uh, compared to like, Maybe maybe before where we we'd fix that maybe that acquisition problem a little bit, but then maybe we still weren't getting that conversion angle, and now we are uh, seeing a bit more success on that front as well. Friction the friction definitely has seemed to decrease. Uh, you were not in the conversation this morning, but Lauren did a little sort of uh, bar graph of also signups, and what I thought was really interesting is we do see a little bit of a lull on weekends. But on Mondays, we usually see a spike. And like to me, what's really valuable about that is people then, sorry, Lauren, I said this already this morning, but like over the weekend or maybe the week before, a problem has emerged and it's a person is, is thinking of how to solve that problem. And on Monday, then they look for solutions and they find speak and proceed with it. So like, I like this sort of injection of users on a, on a, I hate the word users, first of all, it's not a very nice thing, uh, um, but like people um, signing up who are trying to solve that problem. So that's like showing that we're aligned with like a flow or a challenge that is emerging in business. I think it's a validation that there's a market size here, that there's a continuing need that needs are not currently being met or there is not comprehension or understanding of how to solve these problems. And all of those are good. You know, and, and, and those are things that are helping um, align us um, for, for growth, which I'm really excited about. And then just like, just to sort of fill out on that other point, which is like, you know, like the part that I'm now, you know, trying to, um, I don't know if we talked about this last week, you know, but it's like also because we're trying to go sort of beyond transcription and, you know, not just that part, even though that's a core layer of value, it's also educating, but also building a platform to allow that. So we had one person who came in um, from Otter, they had Otter transcripts, they uploaded them to speak and they said there was a little bit too much data. Some of, a lot of it wasn't relevant and, you know, it didn't exactly deliver on the needs of what they were looking for. And that's the other piece that I'm now really trying to solve. So we build that creation, build that creation of value and do it in a very sort of no code, accessible, democratized way. As many buzzwords as in a sentence as I could put there. 
you find like a lot of people are coming over straight from uh, Otter? Is it, are you able to tell like, when someone's uh, transferring over from uh, another uh, transcription service? Yeah, like it's not even like, so, and this is also leaning a little bit into one of the parts of the conversation that I think is really important for us to have. But like, yeah, we, we see a steady flow of people who are looking for Otter alternatives, which again is very interesting because you know, very well-funded company, amazing tech, great platform, yet people are continually looking for alternatives. So for some reason, that platform isn't meeting their needs. Uh, and that's both, that's an opportunity for us. Um, and, you know, just to finish on that, not only are, are we seeing a spike in signups, uh, like this is still early in this month, but if we look at it, Niha is looking at it today after our discussion with Lauren, like, in December, we only converted like free trial to paid at like a 0.6. I think last month, last month was like 1.6. And then this month with, you know, not enough data, but when we calculated the numbers of what we're seeing this so far this month, it was like 3.6. So that's a big jump up. And that makes a big difference. And that's why I'm saying to Lauren is like, there is a big enough market demand for this that I believe we can figure out how to get a hundred signups a day. And if we're converting say at 3.6, or even if we pull that back a lot, to just 1%, that's a new paying customer per day. Um, and that's like, that's a very, that's a goal that I think is worthwhile. And I think that is going to, you know, excite our team and give us a lot of drive and purpose um, around this. So I think it's a very exciting time. Um, and one of the things that I was sort of working through or trying to figure out was like, we had this two offers that sort of came up, not offers, but one was sort of personalize your own plan, which we've seen have some success. And we also dropped the price per minute for transcription. And what I'm trying to figure out is in the end of February, or as we move into March, what is this other way for us to create more value and continue to see a positive trend in the amount of people who are then signing up um, for a paid plan? Well, something I'd like to see too is, um just organizing the uh, the data that's coming in a bit more as well. Cause like we we're saying like, oh, we have this, uh, we have like hundred new users coming this week or next week. Or, but it's like, what are those users? Like where do they fit in like the market? Uh, like, are they just, um, are, are they signing up from like from work or for work or are they doing it for like a personal reason? Um, so I want to explore like other ways of, I'm not really sure how to find that out like easily i'm sure there's some sort of software out there that can like organize like oh this is this is a work email this is their work this is the type of market that their work is in or this is just a personal email they're using this for maybe a podcast maybe who knows but um i think there's still like we're getting better at finding out like you know why people are signing up um and like at least how many that's a pretty easy number but uh, to figure out but there's still a lot of uh a lot of nuance, a lot of like information that I feel that um, maybe we're not missing on because we're not tracking it. Um, well, missing on because we aren't tracking it, I suppose, but maybe we're not able to track it in the way that things are set up. So um, I think it's a matter of just understanding how things are set up and how things could be changed from there. Um, I think what's tough with certain data sets, uh, especially let's say we're just coming, like looking at a website data as an example, uh we can get stuff like so the kind of top level information we have is okay this page drives this much traffic and this many people click through to let's say this one goal we set up which it, it, it kind of funnel we aim for is okay people land on the page whatever the landing page is 
how many of those people clicked through to the registration page, right? So that's one signal of intent. So, you know, they were either interested in seeing what the sign-up process was or what it entailed. And then the next level down is how many people actually signed up for an account, right? So we have that flow and we can break that down pretty easily in terms, like, you know, just on analytics, if you were to look at landing pages as an example and just filtered by goals, you could see, you could get a rough idea of which pages convert the best, uh, how many people are actually going from top level of the page to a sign up. But yeah, those additional layers, you know, especially now with all these like cookies being removed, like tr tracking data. I mean, it's good. It's good for the consumer. It, it just makes our job harder to actually know who these people are sometimes, right? Um, but maybe the for us, what we should try to know is maybe how can we maybe get that information a bit easier, make it in, you know, incentivized to get that data. Um, or honestly, even on intercom, I find that intercom is pretty good um, with giving you a pretty good breakdown of the user journey. I, th I think if they have like social profiles, it'll actually tag their social profiles. Um, and I'm sure there must be a way for us to let's say filter out any Gmail account, right? Just filter out all the Gmail or Hotmail or iCloud emails. And you'd essentially either be left with spam emails, like those random spam generators, or you'd be left with organization emails. And I, I feel like that that might be like a very low tech way for us to get that information. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, back to the idea of uh, like the flow from like page mm -hmm. to whether or not it's like the front page over into like the sign up, maybe mm -hmm. um, that's a reason to have uh, pages that are a bit more specific. Like say like, yeah, this page is just for like, you know, marketers who are interested in using speed user this page is just for people who are interested in uh, transferring over from Otter into speak. And then you can oh, kind of see like, yeah. okay, so they're on this page. So that means that they're, that's what they're interested in using speak for. And then when they sign up, then you can, yeah. you can kind of extrapolate the number from that. Because that's that's what we kind of do, right? Like if you actually view the way, let's say, some of our uh, landing pages are structured, uh, landing pages, landing pages are structured, <laughs> like that. That is the whole intent behind some of the landing pages and how we phrase it and how we frame it. The idea being, these are very high intent specific searches. So, for example, if someone is looking for an otter alternative, right? They are almost certainly going to, or at least like sign up for the app at a much higher rate than someone that's maybe just looking for uh, speech to text software, right? Like uh, uh, as an example, cause like the speech to someone looking for, let's say speech to text software is still pretty high on that list. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to filter this data, but this analytics has been slow for me the past couple of days. I don't know if it's just like an update or what, but. Rats. Yeah, France just screwed, screwed everyone up. Um, I mean, just for that, uh, like to your question, Lauren, like if we were to look at oh, interesting. the flow of the pages, I feel like a lot of it's going to be kind of general pages, just like the, uh, the front page going into science. Yeah, so, so like as an example, right? So we get, uh, a th so from the homepage, we get 13% of visitors that who land on the homepage will visit the registration page, right? That, like just as an example. 
uh, for the like our otter page, it's at 28%. So you can see that kind of, so one third of people that come to that page actually end up at least visiting the registration page. And then this one's the interesting one, right? So when you actually look at the convert, like convert pages. So for example, we have like a convert MP4 to text page because we can help you do that. Um, that page converts at 80%, or, or at least when it comes to uh, yeah. putting them in that funnel, right? Where they have the option to sign up. The problem being, we haven't had time to fix this, but our actual final goal tracking is a bit messed up. Where is where that? That's kind of what's been uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, let's say, for example, like the, you know, this week to date, we like based on analytics, we have had eighty-seven signups this week, right? But thirty-seven of them register as not set, so that's one thing. Twenty-six of them register as the odd slash register page was the other thing right so it's basically so for basically 70 percent of signups we don't have an exact idea of where they're coming from right which is quite unfortunate um as a marketer kills me you yeah, know what i mean and like I, we got in touch with google they haven't been helpful <laughs> so it's, it's we'll quite painful. that's or not that's also lauren was looking at looked at a log rocket session today and there was yeah. an error that fired on google analytics um on that okay. page so i think something I, I didn't see it until lauren shared that session but there's something happening on the fire where like I did a whole Google, sorry, now we're just in a call. So anyway, for anyone who's doing it, anyway, we went through a whole Google, I went through a whole Google tag, tag manager debug flow and everything is firing possibly. Right. But then when I, when Lauren was showing me this log rocket session, again, all the information is desensitized, but you can see the get for the Google analytics fail. So some that it's not firing properly. So anyways, there's something going on um, on that page. I would like to figure this out. So the um, actual, like, okay, I mean, we can discuss this. Later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, it's, it's seeming at least in that log rocket session that it didn't fire properly, which yeah. then explains the, at least, you know, or at least is another hypothesis of something that's, for example, loading through Google Tag Manager, but when an actual person is having, mm -hmm. doing that experience, something's going wrong. And um, I just want to bring this actually a level even deeper um, for what Lauren is asking, which is like, uh, um, that's very, that was not sort of a conduit. It's kind of said anyway to say that, but it's not, that's like deeper, I mean, as in what is the information that we're looking for? And we can detect something from, for example, what Nihal just said is like, I need to convert an MP4 to an MP or to a transcript or a Word doc or whatever it is. And that's why, you know, Lauren, we're also looking at how can we scale these pages out really quickly. Like how can I take an MP4 file and turn it into a Word doc, turn it into a PDF? Like basically all those variations of searches, because if we're seeing an 80% conversion rate on pages like that, that's a really valuable thing and a very specific high intent searches that our system then supplements. But what we were doing in the past, and I'll just share this, a couple of things, like this is our register page. Um, so first of all, we should probably make this page better. Um, like let's get rid of this image. Um, let's make the value proposition here better. Put the continue with Google down here maybe add a little bit more styling to the buttons. It's the only times our buttons are square. Um, like I think this page itself needs to be optimized. But what we also did in the past was have different questions that we asked. And one point we were asking for phone numbers. People would actually go away because they wouldn't want to submit their phone numbers or they would just submit fake phone numbers. So like, it was just a useless piece of information for us. I like one day I was just like, I'm going to call our users. I literally made 50 calls. I think 
one was like legit. So everyone's just populating fake phone numbers. No one answers their phone anyways. So like it was just a useless piece of information. If we were to add, I'd say one more job title or one more thing here, if it was job title, how much more value would that create? And how much would that decrease the form conversion rate? Even if we just made it optional, because, you know, quickly I was just looking here, it was like showing the drop-off, like the conversion rate on forms, depending on the amount of fields that you have. So every field that you're adding, you're actually decreasing the likelihood of someone then filling that um, in. Now I will say just a quick thing. Um, this is a, a side discussion, uh, but I think it elaborates on this point. It's not always true. If you have a need, if you have a need, this is one of the clients that I've worked with for a long time from the legacy, these persons need to move. Uh, and it's like, that's a pain point and you need help. So when they would go to this page, they would submit this form, you know? Yeah. And guess what? Like 20 fields. Yeah, a lot. And not even that, like I actually submitted this form to get a quote for my move. It took me like 10 minutes, you know what I mean? I was like, how many chairs do I have? And, <laughs> uh, and yet I submitted this form and then this company has like a 70 to 80% conversion rate once someone submits this form. So there's trade-offs here that are being made depending on like if there's a painful enough problem, like, hey, if you don't find a mover, you're going to have to move a piano by yourself. They're willing to fill out some fields. Uh, and it also is a qualification, right? You are then getting the information that you need in order to assess if this is truly a customer that is worthwhile or a user is worthwhile. And I hate to use that term, but that's as a business relying on cash flow and revenue growth. That's sort of at a core what it is. And just quickly, uh, you know, now I'm ranting. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, nice uh, but this is another form that we've been doing where we've said, you know, create your own personalized plan. And if you look, this is actually a pretty intimidating form. You know, like I, I have to think about a lot of things here to submit this form. And yet we're seeing, I don't know the exact conversion rate, you know, I'm sure we could figure this out. And obviously there's a relationship with a lot of these people, but they're filling this out because they know that the reward is big enough for them it to be worth their time. Uh, and so that's the other part. And again, sort of lends to this conversation that I was hoping to sort of have is like, what's the 10 times value that we're creating that then reduces the obstacles or the friction because it's so valuable. And I think something like this is where like, wow, I get my completely, I get a completely personalized plan. That's worth me to spend a minute to just say what I want. So I get the plan that's tailored for me. Ideally I'm getting, you know, maybe a discount or, you know, and also I'm now building a relationship with this company instead of it being a very transactional software as a service. So like that's one insight that is like really coming out to me and something that we've seen. And just even one last part, there's two people who converted this week into paid plans and they actually looked at the personalized plan and they chose not to submit the personalized plan and just sign up for a standard plan. And I thought that was really interesting too. Like, uh, I don't know, even know exactly what to need to make that out of it, but it's almost by like creating this personalized plan, we've created an opportunity uh, or a comparison. And in that comparison, a standard plan could be valuable enough if you're just self-serving. And it's like, anyways, there's something there that I'm not quite exactly uh, sure of yet. And I'll just have one last point of like, this is different. This is different than this is Northern Commerce, London company. Lauren, you probably know them, like one of the largest sort of omni-channel marketing companies in Canada. Amazing work that they're doing. In the past, they used to have a contact form 
I was just looking to see if they still had it. Now it just says, tell us a bit about your project. It's required. So you need to share this information. They used to make you select your monthly advertising budget. And by that, they could then qualify or disqualify. And I believe if it was like, say, under 5,000, they wouldn't even let you submit the form. Uh, so it was another way to like disqualify customers or potential customers that in their eyes weren't worth the time. Uh, and, um, you know, you had to be like, you had to truly believe in something to submit that form and share those details of what your advertising budget. So there's a buy-in at that point and there's a transparency and there's a relationship being built. And I think there's a lot of learn, a lot to learn from how like a really successful agency like this is, is doing it. And again, they've made some changes, but you see that often in sort of an agency or more relationship building where you ask these qualified questions to get the, the, the sort of information that you need. Yes, there's uh, lots of opportunities for um, how we can play around with this form. Um, we used to have um, quite a lot more involved. Do you find that like the uh, the conversions have gone up since we've uh, brought it down to just the? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's you know to that point too though. Like I think there's certain fields that people are accustomed to submitting when it comes to let's say a software. software. Yeah, like it's because it's, it's one thing to request service from a person where I think people are definitely more willing to put in more detail versus when it because they, they don't know that we're so close to the product, right? So to them, they land on the page if they see this giant form where it's like, tell us all these things about about you. I think they get turned off a little bit versus here's just basic information we need to like set up your account. And then we try to follow up with you know, the other things that'll help us uh, serve them better or like help them better. Uh, I, I think that happens a bit later on in the experience versus directly on sign up, um, which is why single sign on is so powerful too, right? Like, because it's like, you don't even need to give us anything. Your profile's there. It's already public. Just sign in with that and you're good to go. Yeah, it's like the, it a, uh, the path of least resistance. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That was a big battle I had with Vatsal. Uh, what, single sign-up? To say, Vatsal, get this Google sign-in or sign-up here. Like, I was like, I, I swear to God, I'll bet this on my life, this makes a difference. And he just didn't believe it. And then, like, we saw, like, more than 50% of the sign-ups coming through that. Because why would you not? I, I sign up with almost everything and link it to, to that. And, uh, um, you know, like, I guess in the ideal, also our signup experience that we had before onboarding, um, uh, all of us have sort of uh, agreed that that was a disaster. Um, you know, creating creating friction on signup. Part of the, I wouldn't even say the friction sometimes was the additional questions we asked. It was the way we made them ask get those additional questions and then forcing them to also upload things. Like there was too much force in that initial upload that people something like we're just like screw you like we would get that in the thing sometimes so like in, in the ideal world though okay like in my in my ideal world i'll tell you what i wish that we could get that is not happening um job title this guy want every linkedin sales navigator uh feel <laughs> job title company company website team size industry you know like those things i know that seems like a, a ridiculous overreach but like, there's still, as a company who's still early stage, there's a lot of, um, when we did have the onboarding and we were asking that question, we were seeing some pattern match. Like, oh, okay, teacher looking for embeddable recorder to collect 
um, test or detect uh, readings or something from students or, oh, researcher looking to transcribe and export specifically into Word docs. Like when we did get that information, it made, it helped us make a lot more sense of these people who were coming in. Right. But right now, I, I guess like, <laughs> does it, do, does it matter if we make sense? If it makes sense, you know what I'm saying is if it makes money. That's a stupid joke. Um, but that's the that's the other question. And then the other thing is, we'll look, use Matt at Sprint Moving as an example. Um, great guy, and his if it's, it's say it's converting at seventy to eighty percent, but only, you know, do we want our do we want to sign up converting at seventy to eighty percent, and we only get two people sign up a day, or do we want three percent uh, sign up conversion rate? But you know, 50 people are signing up a day. So those are also the trade-offs that we're making. I don't have the answer for that right now, either, frankly. Could you have like multiple like parts of a form? Like say like you have the basic sign-up, which is just like your name and your email. And then like the second part, let's say like if you're willing to fill out this entire form that gives all that information, like sales navigator will give you an additional 30 minutes to your free trial. Um, is there a way to just like incentivize people to fill out more information? Um, and like, even if they don't want to do that, you just give them option to skip that portion of the form and just move on to the actual platform. Um, I'm sure there is. I think it just needs to be a smooth experience, which was the opposite of what we did last time. Hmm. And uh, once I just want to show you this company quickly because it's mind blowing. And, I, and what they did to me is just messed, messed with my head. This is clear bit. Uh, I don't know, Neil, if you've ever come across them, but it's like, they basically built partnerships with every single, you know, like you can see like the data flowing in and you can see they actually populated our logo in the building. So just by visiting the site, they know who we are and they've got all this periphery like additional information. So they have you on LinkedIn, they have me, they have me all, they know exactly who we are. All They don't even need to, I mean, this is where it gets creepy. I've watched some videos of how they're doing this. Like they don't even need to look at this target account. So crazy what they're actually doing. And they were talking about, I believe it was segment about how they built a personalized an entirely personalized onboarding experience based off data from Clearbit because they could detect if say it was someone from Nike visiting versus, you know, a very small local company. And if you're a very small local company, you could literally go and sign up for the platform and if you were Nike, you weren't even able to sign up. You had to go through a consult to, to get access to the platform. So like, that's how crazy and refined it can be if you have the right data, you know, uh, and just this is, I don't know another company doing it as intensely as this. And you can see from their clients, uh, Twilio, I believe, I think bought them, it looks like, uh, Intercom, Gong. Yeah, that makes sense because Intercom is populating information for us. And they're obviously leveraging Clearbit uh, to help us um, get that. But anyways, insane. Um, and what they're trying to say is give you the single sign-on, sign up with Google or sign up with your email. You don't even need to ask all these questions because we already have this information. And we'll just give you this information when they sign up as long as it connects to an email. Um, so um, an alternative, a creepy alternative, but one that is available to not just us, but companies today who are trying to collect more first-party data on people signing up without creating a bunch of friction. Do you think that'll change though? Like considering that there's so many, I'm, I'm sure they have enough resources to figure out a workaround and loophole, but I feel like certain data is going to start getting harder to kind of get without user consent. 
I, I'm guessing so. I'm also guessing that it is their value creation of their company, which is saying, we'll figure this out for you. So you don't have to worry about it. Um, uh, and we're seeing a whole stack of companies built around privacy and GDR, say GDR compliance and things like that, that are playing a very valuable role and not even a valuable role will increasingly be in need. You know what I mean? And it's nice for them to play in that position, to be honest, uh, to say, you know, you can't, you can't operate in France without us. You can't operate in EU without us. Those people are going to have a lot of power. And even us in some of our discussions, like with sort of security vendors or providers, I'm like, I don't really know what you do, but we need your stamp of security so that we can even sell to a customer. And that's like, it's a pretty painful need um, that, you know, that again, you, uh, you, you, you find business success in. Right through that. That was good. That was fun. Uh, uh, we're already at an hour. We're coming up on an hour here. Um, there's sort of two topics that were there. I don't know how deep we can even go. I mean, not even. I have two topics. Neil, you have three. But we also touched on. Oh, we yeah. 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 Um, I guess if we've got, say, we got five, ten minutes left, anything that we want to talk about here. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in this kind of 10x. You know, 10 times the value. And I think it ties back to previous conversations we've had and you brought it up earlier as well, right? With respect to now that we have a system that organizes this data so well in the backend, right? Like as someone that works with data, you have all the, all the need, like you have everything you need to like, you know, manipulate this data, play with it and get what you want. Now, how do we remove that need like it's still there if you want it but how do we remove that need and deliver value direct value to an end user um you know the moment they do something with the system right so like you know you were earlier this week you were discussing what's the way forward to give them that that immediate aha moment right that that isn't tied to let's say just the pure oh like i uploaded got my transcript what's that next step now where it's like yeah, you upload, because let's say someone comes in from something that's a bit more simple in terms of functionality like Otter, right? Where they came in just for a transcript and now they're like, cool, you do the same thing that Otter does. But then on top of that, now we've sent them or on the dashboard now, it's like, hey, we see you just uploaded this file. Um, did you know that within this file, XYZ was present, right? Did you know that you could maybe try to do XYZ? And like, you, you know, building these, these layers of insights for people without them having to dig and do it for themselves. So just, just interested in maybe some ideas or what you kind of envision us needing to do to move more in that direction and create this almost insights engine and like the shareable element of our system that we're, we're, we've obviously made some big changes to. But how do we start refining that even even further without necessarily building new systems to like achieve that? Right? Yeah, maybe it's a matter of like how you um, how you say it too. Because like when you say like, oh, I have a need that I need to get a transcript, and you get your transcript, and then it's like, oh, okay, I've got what I need. And then you say, oh, but this is some other stuff that's nice to have. You can search through all your content. You can share it easily here. Maybe if instead of um, saying like these are nice to have, this is like this is not what you need. 
like, you know, transcript is more of like a, a before thought or an afterthought. What you need is to be able to search through all this content. Well, I, I guess where this conversation originates from is this idea of like, unless you make a 10 times improvement on a, uh, a, an existing platform or, uh, you know, a solution to a, a problem, you really don't stand a chance in today. You're just going to have to pay and pay and pay to compete or acquire customers. And it might not even be likely. And I'm trying to think of like a good example of this, like probably a good example is like, you know, we were um, on horses and buggies and then Ford came along and made cars. And that's like a 10 times improvement. Most would argue many, many more times than a 10 times improvement. And it was also, it also basically made the last solution irrelevant basically. Uh, now that's a bit aggressive. That's an, an extreme example, but it's something that we've seen be a theme, even I would say in competition in the market that we're in. And I'll paint the picture of a classic. I, I, I wonder, uh, I mean, we can do this now, shareable media library, but like how many times has Otter been mentioned in our office hours podcast? Great question. Um, uh, they, we till this day, because we even have an alternatives page at Otter, have I had a literary conversation with this week and I said, hey, for the amount of hours you want to do, it's going to cost $350 a month. And they're like, oh, but we pay $99 a year uh, for this. You know what I mean? For the exact amount of hours. So we cannot 10 times beat in cost. It's impossible for us, at least in this current stage. I would say we're also probably not going to win specifically on accuracy, word by word timestamping, and we're definitely not winning on UI and an Android and iOS application that transcribes in real time right now. So those are areas that we, to this day, are not capable of competing on. Obviously, we would like to. Um, so where are these other areas? And you know, quickly, what have, where have breakdowns we've seen? Oh, uh, something like Otter isn't allowing API access. So we can't use, can't use API. So now we're stuck and we need to find another solution. We have a simple API that's easy to use. That's a 10 times allowing me to, you're doing a lot of stuff. It's allowing me to do this. Same thing with, I can't custom brand my auto transcripts that I share. I, I want to have my colors and my logo. Why can't I do that? Okay, you can do that really simply too. That's a way better. Okay, I'm integrating with other platforms. I can hook up to Zappe and automatically push a PDF to my Airtable. I'm not able to do that with this platform and I definitely can't do it with the transcript and insights in a branded Word document. So like there, there, these are the areas that we really need to refine and hone down in to continue to elaborate on and continue to then show that value to our customers, especially when we get in a, you know, a direct comparison. Maybe it's a company like Otter or maybe it's also a developer who comes to us and says, why would I pay, you know, 10 cents per minute? You know, ideally if they're doing a lot of media, we can go lower than that when I could go to Amazon uh, AWS transcribe, or I could go to DeepGram and pay one cent per minute. Like if we're charging nine cents more per minute, we need to be a hundred times the value of what comes out. So um, I think that's just like a level of realism that we need to have. And it also helps us sort of defocus or deprioritize the things that we can't compete in to focus on the good stuff. Because I think to, to that point too, um, if we remove the value prop, tied to transcription as a service, let's say. It's like, because that, that, to your point, right, that, that's a value prop that there are definitely more budget conscious options out there that, that allow you to do that very basic function at a fraction of the cost. But that's not what we are aiming to do, right? So it's like, I think we've had instances where people came in and 
the transcript, like they didn't care about, they're like, yeah, whatever, how, how much ever the transcription costs, we'll pay it, right? It's like they want to actually pay for the system and what output the system produces for them. Right? And then the more we focus on that versus let's say, obviously we'd like to make the cost of transcription as low as possible too, but until we get there, uh, how do we just provide like to your point, like 10 X the value with the output they get, right? So that the transcription is an afterthought. Like, uh, you know, it's not about the transcription. It's about what you find from your transcripts and what, what that, what, what the system actually surfaces for you that lets you do your job better or gives you better insights, right? Whatever, whatever that might be. And I think you know we all know that there's more work to do on the insights, both ourselves fundamentally, we know that and are happy to admit it. And we also hear feedback from people using the platform. And I think, you know, additionally on a couple areas that we've talked about is we do include text analysis. Text analysis is valuable because it's cheap for our users, it's cheap for us, also creates value and allows us to tap into data sets that are ongoing, created on an ongoing basis where there's a lot of uh, insights that you can derive out of it. And we also have the ability because we are, you know, focused on analyzing each file individually to, you know, culminate all the analysis together to produce reports or the term that I shared that I really like Nihal this week was like a digest. Um, uh, so there was a company I was talking to Lauren who they work with uh, really great companies uh, specifically in a sector on um, every Monday um, they're that sector goes back to work and all throughout the week, they're collecting direct feedback from customers. And then at the start of the week, they get like a little digest, like say six in the morning on a Monday that shows like, you know, all the sentiment from the customers, all the, um, you know, things they need to improve this week, things that went well last week, things that didn't. And then that manager can then share that with the team and they can have a good week. So how can we sort of build something like that? Almost like what you're doing, Lauren, at the end of every week, you're coming to us and say, saying, hey, we had this many signups this week. That's actually, you know, up 20% from last week. Uh, and, you know, we even had three more signups from a paid perspective this week, blah, blah, blah. So we're learning along with you and you're giving us a report for us to then go into the weekend and then start to optimize for the next week. So how can we do automatically that automatically using the language data that we're actually capturing? Um, and that to me is a 10x if we can actually figure that out and deliver it in a packaged way that looks beautiful, that is shareable, that gives you truly valuable insights instead of not valuable. Ooh, anything else? Uh, quickly, I'll add to it, 10X. What else have we seen as value creation from Speak? Guess what, we're a friendly, we're a friendly team. We'll go above and beyond on support. We'll talk to you on live chat. We'll hop on a Zoom call to help you fix something. Um, if you, are looking to integrate a data set that's not there or a functionality in there, send us a message. We take that feedback to heart. We actually prioritize it and we do it. Those are things that we've seen differentiate us from other companies, maybe ones who are farther along or more well-funded or have bigger teams, but that we're happy to do because we know that it's valuable because we care about people who are using the system and we're trying to solve these problems. Um, so that's- And honestly, as we get, and as we get bigger, we don't need to get rid of that ethos either. Not at right? all, no. Yeah, if, we, if anything, it'll expand our, means, sorry, I'm just trying to get my charger, <laughs> would expand the means by which um, we'd, we'd be able to actually serve different use cases and potentially support people in more uh, detailed ways as well, as well. Just quickly, this is, I, I had the experience, I'm trying to think of like Stripe is a company I had that experience with where we, that's always having a problem with something of the API gateway or something. And like, 
quickly jump on a call with a straight person who is actually completely knowledgeable, helps us solve the problem and, and gets back to work. And like, I think at certain levels of scale, you always then need to change. But like, I mean, you know, Neil, you've had the experience of like, say how much you're spending on Google ads really changes the level of support you're getting and who you're even talking to on those calls for the support. So I hope that's, we're going to continue to build self-help guides and documentation and, and things like that. But I still hope as we continue to grow, like that, that like, like Neil said, that ethos of like really helping people um, is, is, is important. And one last example, even though people don't necessarily like it sometimes, is like Amazon. Like if I get Amazon and like one day I look down and someone from Amazon, whoever the deliverer had put it in the wrong spot and someone had just ripped open the box and took like a $80 thing of protein powder and Amazon was just like, oh, okay, we'll send another one back to you. You know what I mean? Like they just like, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I thought that was going to be a battle on the phone and I was going to have to show video surveillance footage of someone stealing. They're like, it's like, no, because that doesn't care. They don't care. But it's like, I mean, obviously the money that they have in reserves is worth it. But like overall, it's just like, creating easy, delightful customer experiences so that people can keep coming back and we need to embrace that and build it into everything we do. Yeah. It's not their job to fight with a customer. It's their job to help the customer. Yeah. And we've done that. I just quick, I want to say the company, but one of our companies is like, they are in a different sort of tax area and sort of like someone, a lot of software companies would say, no, like we don't care. Just take, we actually went, to, had to talk to the CRA to get tax documents so that we could build them in a way that they actually don't get, you know, an, an extra cost to it. So like, fine, we'll, we'll do that because that's saving you money. That's building the relationship and, and that's what we want to want to do here. So um, yeah, I think there's lots here. Hopefully there's just a couple points. And I think Nihal, we're going to continue to sort of elaborate that on our homepage, on the resources that we put out. And we're going to continue to drill down on that with our current customers who are already getting value um, from some of these things. So um, and last note, you know, I just like went and looked at our website last month, last night. I'm like, I want to go take a look, just fresh eyes on the homepage. And I like came across it. Obviously there's bias there. But I'm like, this is pretty nice looking. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I don't feel embarrassed and I can see why people would at least sign up and give it a try. And I've seen a lot of shitty websites and homepages and stuff in my life. And obviously, especially if you get on tablet view, we got some problems and things, but like overall, I'm like, this feels like a friendly company. It feels clean. It feels like they're doing something valuable and it makes me want to, you know, at least, uh, or at least give me, you know, make me willing to try it out. So that was a nice feeling uh, last night to, to, to check that out and, and feel that way. I think I won the talk time uh, one this time. Okay. Uh, Lauren, any closing thoughts for everyone here? It's good to be back. It was a good chat. It's nice to have you here. Nihal, you're good, sir? Oh, we're all good to go. Beautiful. All right. I'll see you a little bit later. Nihal, Lauren, if I don't talk to you before, I hope you have a wonderful weekend for everyone who uh, tunes into this now on all podcast platforms, also on YouTube. Appreciate you doing it. Uh, we're, we're very grateful. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.